This is Gordy Marshall, and welcome to my podcast, Postcards from a Rock and Roll Tour, from Rockstar to Uber Driver and back, episode two. First of all, thank you so much to everyone who's messaged or emailed me or DM'd me and sent in comments. It's really lovely to get messages, and I see them all. When I recorded the first episode, it really felt like I was talking to one person, and then it quickly became clear there are more than that. When I'm recording this, I am, of course, only talking to you. Yes, that's it. It's just you and me here and no one else. So one of the questions I got was about our recent tour of America. And I was asked if we had a tour bus. Now, I've spent many years touring on one of those big Prevost tour buses with the Moody Blues, which I used to refer to as the Good Ship Everything. And these huge vehicles have literally everything you want when you travel. They've got comfy bunk beds, they've got a fully stacked kitchen, a bathroom, shower, lots of alcohol, anything and everything to wind away the time on a long journey. But... There's a national problem with tour buses right now, and in the US particularly. Firstly, nearly a third of people who work in the wider music industry, whether that be musicians, crew, or bus drivers or truck drivers, have simply left the business during the pandemic. And if you can find a driver, you're faced with a fleet of vehicles that haven't been driven for over two years. Subsequently, they appear to be breaking down quite a bit, which makes them unreliable. So, we in the Go Now band opted for the much more reliable option of commercial air travel. Ha! We had just three shows to play in June in the US, our first being in Omaha, Nebraska. Getting four musicians and crew to Nebraska should be a straightforward affair. You book the flight, you go to the airport. Not these days. Virtually Every flight was cancelled, and we ended up, between us, seeing 11 airports over the course of a 12-day trip, including Atlanta more than once, and places like Chattanooga, when we were all individually rerouted. Not good for the planet, but there was no other way. One thing we did create, though, was our own little travel society. You know when groups get together and do... An unusual activity like, oh, I don't know, like Morris dancing or visiting a prison. You often become part of a society and you have an organisation that represents you. Well, we spent so many hours walking around random airports, we created the Airport Ramblers Society, or ARSE, as we're known. Schoolboy humour, I know. But you'd be amazed how something so childish can become a really helpful tool when you're faced with something as tedious as multiple cancelled flights. And I know these are first world problems, but humour is the band's secret weapon when it comes to overcoming adversity. In fact, humour is the band's secret weapon, period. As we navigate through gigs and rehearsals and travel or jet lag or any activity or any minor upheaval, we all revert to humour. Laughter is that one activity, when you're engaged in it, it's impossible to be anxious. You might be in the seconds before it and the seconds after it, but during the actual process of laughter, all is good with the world. 
I've heard humour brilliantly described as a mysterious phenomenon experientially and conceptually. It's sort of a precognitive and instinctual thing. It's also extremely sophisticated. And there's an element of transcendence about it because you can laugh at yourself and that is, in some sense, the highest form of humour. We can criticise and elevate ourselves at the same time and it's intensely pleasurable. So that's what we do. Anyway, as this podcast is called Rockstar to Uber Driver, it's been Uber driving where all the action has been this week. I met Charmaine Lovegrove, who is the most senior black publisher in the whole of Europe. In 2021, she became an honorary fellow of the Royal Society of Literature. We chatted about books, podcasts and life for nearly an hour. I asked if she'd listened to the Elizabeth Day podcast, How to Fail, because she reminded me of her. And not only does she listen to it, but she's been on it. And I told her that my wife and her sister listen to it all the time. So Charmaine did what I see young people do all the time. She left Elizabeth Day a voice note from the phone from the car. And within five minutes, Elizabeth Day had left Charmaine a voice note saying hello to me and Susan, my wife, and her sister, and thanking us for listening to her podcast. So I recorded the voice note on my phone and played it at home when I got in to shrieks of laughter about the randomness of my recent new part-time profession. I also met a young record producer called Noel, who's signed to Sony. He goes under the name Mavada, and I'm now following him on Instagram. He's a great musician, so I've got some great tracks out. I also met a chap about my age called Roger, who lives locally to me, who I took up to the RAC club. He designs globally museums for a living and was responsible for the refurb of the QE2 in the 90s. But the most memorable ride was a young man I picked up from a hospital in central London. He got in the car, still on the phone, and seemed a little flustered. And I have the rearview mirror angled so I can see the people in the back seat, as well as out of the back window. And I detected an expression of bewilderment, so I ventured the question gingerly, is everything okay? He said, well, today is one day in my life I will not forget. My wife has just given birth to our first daughter in that hospital, and she was two weeks late. And my mother has just died in the same building on the same day. It's as if our daughter was waiting for the right time to come. I'm not going to delve into the details of the conversation. I didn't actually say that much, to be honest. I mostly listened. But at the end of the 45-minute ride, I got out to shake his hand, and he gave me a hug. One thing that Uber driving has given me, apart from the incredible opportunities to meet interesting people, is to listen to podcasts and audiobooks myself. On the days that I'm out in the car, it might be two or three days a week, occasionally more, I'm in the car for about 12 hours, which seems like a long time. Actually, it is a long time, am I kidding? But it passes really quickly. And if I spend about a third of the time chatting to people... There's plenty of hours left where I have my AirPods in and I listen to audiobooks. This has been another revelation. Currently, I'm 10 hours into The Count of Monte Cristo. Only another 42 hours to go. But it's such a literary masterpiece and has me gripped that yesterday I found myself rushing to get to the car in the morning to continue it. I'm actually not doing that much talking at the moment because I'm so gripped by this particular book. But today, 
I looked at my library in the Audible app. If anybody's got Audible, you can just click on the bottom of the screen and it shows you the list of the books that you've listened to. And I was shocked by the amount of books I've gone through purely because of Uber driving. Now, there's no way I would have got through all these audiobooks had I not been sitting in my car for days at a time. And these authors have changed my life like all good authors do. In addition to Uber driving, there were a few other speculative endeavours that I tried out when the pandemic struck. Um, some of you may know we did a live stream of our entire Moody Blues show. Just before the pandemic, the Go Now Band performed at the Harlequin Theatre in Redhill, not far from where I live. It's a 500-seater theatre and we sold it out. And because I know the manager there, I contacted him and we hired the theatre to do a live stream. If you remember, live streaming was all the rage back then. I booked the band, I hired a film crew and eight cinematic cameras, and we went in and we filmed the entire show with everyone who's involved in Go Now. Although we're currently a four-piece band, we have lots of musicians who've been involved in the Go Now project. When you hire great musicians to play in your band, they're not always available. So I have a number of musicians that have played with us, and I ask them all along for the live stream. It's probably the only time ever that they were all available at the same time. So we filmed the entire two-and-a-half-hour show of Moody Blues music, and we partnered with 60 venues and theatres, 40 in America and 20 in the UK. These were the venues we were planning to perform in in 2020. They advertised the tickets for us, which we sold through our website for $15 each in America and £15 in the UK, and we sold over a 1,000 tickets which was brilliant. It cost £5,000 to put the show on, which included hiring the theatre, paying the band, the sound crew and film crew, and hosting the live stream online. We then split the rest between the theatres. The whole thing took about three months to complete. That's not a great return on the time and investment, but back then it was a case of clinging to the wreckage while we tried to rebuild the boat. The great thing about that endeavour was that we now have a professionally filmed version of the show, albeit to an empty room from 2020. And we're still selling tickets to the recording of it through our website, gonowmusic.com. So if you fancy seeing the entire show online, just go to the website and follow the link. The other thing that was happening during lockdown were online music lessons and lots of musicians started to teach via Zoom, which certainly filled a gap in the market. And as I play the piano, I set up a website called Learn Music with Gordy Marshall. I set up my piano near the computer. I ordered some web cameras, and one of which I put on a, on a microphone stand above the keyboard, above my head, so students could see the back of my hands when I played the piano. One on the sustain pedal on the floor next to my foot, and then, of course, one on the computer, one in the computer. And at the height of the total lockdown, when no one was going anywhere, even in Ubers, I had about 10 students, one of which was Betty from Las Vegas, who is still a student, although we haven't had a lesson in ages. Betty has a beautiful grand piano in her house in Las Vegas. And every Wednesday at 6 p.m. in the evening for me, and I think about 10 a.m. in the morning for Betty, we had the best time playing the piano. And I promised Betty I would make her good enough to play in a bar in Vegas. 
And she went as far to turn up to the lessons in a silver lame jacket just to prove her determination. Betty and her husband Don came all the way from Vegas to see our very first orchestral show with the Omaha Symphony. And yes, she was wearing the lame jacket. What a way to make friends. It really is a brand new world. Teaching the piano got me to thinking about how to teach the drums, which is a little tricky on Zoom from a terraced house in Wimbledon. But there's a brilliant studio close to me called Crown Lane Studios. So I booked that for a week and I went in and I recorded 28 drum lessons. And it took me a few months to complete as I had to prepare the lessons and create the charts. But I took my phone and a couple of iPads into the studio and recorded the video sessions on those three devices over a week. We recorded the audio professionally at the studio and I took the audio recordings home with me along with the video and edited the lessons together and uploaded them to a website called Udemy.com. Now, if you've never heard of Udemy, they're definitely worth checking out. It's an online global education platform with about 35 million students and they have all sorts of courses available. In order to edit the drum lessons, I bought a course from Udemy on how to edit video footage in Premiere Pro. And Premiere Pro is a video editing platform. Once I've got all the lessons finished, as I say, I uploaded them to Udemy and the whole drum course is now on sale at udemy.com, which is U-D-E-M-Y.com. And as I record this podcast, I have 67 students that have bought the one-off course. So if you fancy learning the drums, visit udemy.com. I was talking to my brother Robert the other day. He lives up in Lancaster, which is about 300 miles away from me. But we talk on the phone pretty much every day. He is my go-to person when I find myself sitting there, staring at the wall, wondering if any of my mad ideas are actually going to be successful. Well, the Go Now Band is, of course, already successful, but it's been a rocky ride since 2020. He calls me the Colonel Saunders of rock and roll. And the other day, he was commenting on all the creative projects I'd undertaken and said, imagine what would have happened had there been no pandemic. This got me to thinking, and then I heard something in the audiobook The Count of Monte Cristo. It was when Edmund Dante, the protagonist, was in the dungeon with the Abbe Faria. He's the priest and sage who became Dante's mentor and teacher whilst in prison. When Edmund was surprised at the Abbe's ingenuity inside the prison, he said, imagine what you could have achieved had you not been locked up. And the Abbe's answer is quite illuminating. He said, had my mind been free, it would have evaporated into a thousand follies. Misfortune is needed to bring to light the treasures of the human intellect. I haven't quite worked out yet completely, but there's a lesson in there somewhere for sure. One final thing I did in an attempt to mitigate the effects of the pandemic was to get back into playing in a Western musical. The show I was previously booked to play in as a dep was Thriller, the Michael Jackson show, which of course closed. When the West End opened again, the show Wicked resumed, and I knew Gareth, the drummer from that show, so I phoned him up to ask if he needed any deps or deputies, and I was in luck with my timing as he did need another dep. Gareth and I know each other well. He used to dep on the show that I used to play in called Fame the Musical back in the 90s. And Gareth was also the percussionist on the Queen musical We Will Rock You when I depped on drums for that. 
So I went in to see the show. I got the parts. I learned the show. More on that maybe in another podcast. And now I'm called every now and again to go in and play drums on Wicked. In fact, as I record this, I have two shows to play today, the matinee and the evening show. And if you haven't seen it, you really should. I took my daughters to see Wicked when it first opened. It's still the number one show in the West End and is a total joy to play. It's also one of the most complicated scores I've ever seen, which makes it more of a challenge. And as we get older, the more challenges we face, the better we become. So, if there's anyone out there who would like a nice challenge, make it to do with music and learn an instrument. Why? Because music is life. It's also a science, it's mathematical, it's a foreign language, it's history, it's physical education. It develops insight and demands research. But most of all, it's art. And although you can't touch music because it's invisible, it can touch you. And with that deep and meaningful thought, I have to go. It's been lovely chatting with you. Please drop me a line, follow me on Instagram, or just buy a ticket to see a Go Now show. See you soon. What a day it's been, dear diary. It's been just like a dream. Woke up too late, wasn't where I